Welcome to this podcast from Wilkesboro Baptist Church, where we are on a mission to lead our neighbors and the nations to follow Jesus. As I was trying to figure out how to segue, because Pastor Chris has been leading us through this First Timothy study, which is a great study, and as we were talking about him being away and me coming in, we were trying to decide, and I was looking at a couple of passages, but this particular passage kind of came to mind, and it's, we're going to be turning to Revelation chapter 2 in a minute, but I want to ask you a few questions. Can you remember the first thing you loved? Okay. The first thing you love, just I want you to take a few moments and think through that. Maybe it was the love of biscuits. That was the first thing that popped in mind for me was my mom's biscuits or my grandma's biscuits, if I have to be honest, right? That was probably the first thing I loved that I can remember loving. And, I, and we can say our mom and dad, okay, we can go ahead and get that out of the way. But for you, what was that first thing you loved? Or what about the first time you fell in love. Do you remember that? Maybe it was with your kindergarten sweetheart that finally showed you, you know, some attention. Maybe it was later on that college sweetheart. But we all remember those things that we love for the first time. Or maybe that first job that you truly loved doing. What happened? What happened to cause you to forget about it? What caused you to walk away? What caused you to start looking at other things? Was there a hobby that you used to love doing? You loved doing it so much. Whenever you'd have a free moment, that's what you would do. But then slowly that hobby went away. Now some of us, it could be a sports team, right? We have a hobby of watching a certain sports team because we are so excited about them. Maybe they're winning, maybe they're not, but it's just fun to watch. And then it becomes part of a struggle to watch. That's how I was with a professional baseball team growing up. I, I followed them, I watched them, but then it became a business, right? It became more work than what you really wanted to do. And that love kind of lost its flavor and that love is what kind of just started fading away. And you didn't really know how to get it back, but you just kind of let things go their turn. You know, I've realized that you have to kind of stop and think about the things you love. Many times we get caught up in the busyness of life that we truly forget why we're doing what we're doing. Why you're getting up and doing that thing. Sometimes it's just habit. Sometimes it just gets called into who you are and it becomes part of you that you can't separate it. That's why you do it. But there are a few things that we do love doing. And we need to reflect on that. So as Pastor Chris and I was talking and as we were praying over this, we thought that it would be appropriate to look at the church of Ephesus. Now, 1 Timothy, in case you're new, you haven't been a part of this series, 1 Timothy is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy. Timothy was one of his uh, companions, was somebody he helped uh, mentor. And then when he planted that church in Ephesus, he left. 
He decided God was calling him to another place to go back to Jerusalem. And he had to leave an overseer in charge. So he leaves young Timothy as this part of the elders at the church to keep it going. Now, Paul spent three years, approximately three years in Ephesus, building up this congregation. And so he left it ready to go. And the whole book of Ephesians, if you look at that, Paul's first letter to the church, it's a book about staying true, staying humble, staying committed to the doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't don't let all these other outside influences attack you. Ephesians chapter 6, probably one of the most popular ones, is that spiritual warfare we talk about because there was all these spiritual forces around Ephesus. Because Ephesus was an administrative system for the Roman province. It had one of the largest temples of that time, the Temple of Diana, that was one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. It got destroyed twice, and both times the town of Ephesus raised enough money to rebuild it without outside help. That's how major of a city this was. Not only was it that major of a city, when Rome came in and took it over, they established two more temples. They established a temple to Rome, and they established a temple to Julius Caesar, or to the Caesars. So the emperor cult started really growing up. So you had all these outside influences. It was right on the seaport, or it is right on the seaport. So it had plenty of marketplace. It could create all of this travel, all of this commerce, all this economic growth. Great place to be, which is probably why Paul established it there. Probably why God called him to that area to create a place, because if you want to reach the world and share the good news of Jesus, you go to where the people are. In fact, in the middle of Ephesus, there are seven milestones or seven ways you can go. So you could start in Ephesus and go in any direction. One scholar even stated that it was an administrative center of the area. It had the first paved roads of that area. It's an amazing place. It's an amazing place to be a part of. And Paul established this. And then he leaves, leaves Timothy in charge. And then Timothy, young Timothy, had some problems in a church. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that a group of people getting together and their leader, you know, going somewhere else, leaving some young kid behind... That's never done this before. Can you imagine that there would be some grumblings and some complaining going on? But young Timothy did a great job. He stayed firm. The whole book of 1 Timothy, it's about staying true to that doctrine. Timothy, stay strong. Pastor Chris even pointed out in the first sermon, he said that, that the love is our aim, love is our witness, and love is our goal because love is our foundation. It all starts with love, and that's what Paul reminds Timothy. And so now we go for another 30 years. And here we are with another apostle, the apostle John, writing to this church. Now Paul, uh, John had a unique experience. John stayed in the Asia area, and then he got shipped off in exile to the island of Patmos, where he had these, this vision given to him by God through Jesus, to to explain the revelation of of God revealing Himself with truths about Himself and for the purpose of establishing a redemptive relationship with the people that are committed to Jesus. 
That's what the book of Revelation is. It's the revelation of Jesus for those committed to Jesus on how they can build a relationship with Jesus through hardships. It's the whole book. So John's writing this encouraging letter. And he in Revelation chapter 1, you get the whole image of Jesus. How glorious He is. How powerful He is. And then John is told to write a letter to seven churches in that area. Those seven churches are kind of in a circle, probably a trade route, a very common area that a message could be passed to each church along the way. And the first church that he writes to is the church of Ephesus. So turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. Starting in verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 7. To the angel of the church in Ephesus... The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men, and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles. And they are not, and you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds and that you did at first, or else I am coming to you and remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God." So this is Jesus saying these words to this church. This church that has a great history, that has a great purpose. It's a gospel-centered church. right? That's what we've been learning about. A gospel-centered church. And how to continue to have sound doctrine, strong theology, staying true to the gospel message that Jesus gave. Repent and believe. That is the only way you're going to get back to God's design is if you repent and believe in the cross. That's the sound doctrine. And along the way, you've had all these people trying to manipulate and move in and destroy the church. He even, in this group, he mentions a group of people that did just that. And this church was great at keeping them out. Keeping that sound doctrine. They had heard the words of Timothy. They had heard the words of Paul. And they stayed strong to this. See, it's a large group of people. Approximately 250,000 people probably lived in this town. And they had all these different religious practices. Greek mythology. Roman mythology. Emperor worship. Pagan worship. All of it going along. And they stayed true to all these things because God was with them. God was with them the whole time. And that's what Jesus is saying. I am giving you a lampstand. I am walking among you. I am watching you. I am looking over everything you are doing. And that happened. In the four, in 431, there was this major council of church leaders that came together and decide on... Jesus being fully human and fully God. 
and how we continue to worship that and how we stay strong to that. It was one of the last ecumenical councils, that's a fancy word for people getting together and discussing the doctrine and establishing the theology of Christians. The first one being the Council of Nicaea. Last week, if you came, we sang that song, I Believe. That was a doctrine that we established through this group of people. So that's an amazing, that's 400 years after the writing of this letter approximately. And they're established. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a spoiler alert, okay? In my notes, I don't have this until later on, but a spoiler alert. So the last record we have of a church being in there is about 439 A.D. Right now, it is in Turkey. It's in a little place in Turkey. And there are no, no known churches in Turkey right now. No known churches in that area. Of all the Christians that if they are there, and I'm sure they are, I've got, I know a couple of missionaries that are serving in Turkey, they're hidden. Which when I start thinking through that, and if you take that and it, it really hit me hard, because that means they may not have repented. They may not have fell into their first love again. See, we all fall into those traps. Just turning back down to verse 2. We know, Jesus knows what we do. He knows our deeds. We don't have to brag about our deeds. We don't have to go around and tell people our deeds unless we start having the lack of self-confidence that we have. Unless we start thinking about why we're doing it and we forget the reasons we're doing it. Right? You don't have to tell someone that you're a light if you're a light. You can see it. You can see it happening. The deeds, if you have to go and you have to show that you're doing them, to me, that's a realization that why are you doing them? What's the purpose of doing them? Because God already knows. He knows the deeds you've done. He knows the perseverance you're working through. Now, this is also a church that's going through a lot of hardships. When Revelation was written, I mean, most of the apostles had died by this time. Churches were being squashed out. The Caesar was going around and he was persecuting, putting Christians to death. And all the time, the writers were saying, Stay strong. Stay in your hope of God. You've got to stay in love with Jesus because that's what's going to get you through. Stay with the love of God. He is love. Focused on that. And you see that they did a great job and and Jesus compliments them, right? How great would it be if Jesus came to you and said, man, I appreciate you, Dr. Mike, for everything you've done. You've led worship every week. You've done a great job. You've kept bad theology out of the pulpit. It's been great. It's a great feeling, right? I would... I would love that. But Jesus also knows He probably doesn't need to tell me that because my head will get bigger. And if we're honest, that's usually what happens. We get patted on the back so much and you get known for being this great theologian, this great warrior for Christ. And we have to get stand back and think, what is going on? It can get caught up in your head. And that's what he writes to us in the next couple of verses. In verse 4, he says, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. 
Meaning your first love of loving God and loving others. That's the greatest commandment, right? The whole Ten Commandments, the ones we hold established to love God, love others. If you forget those things, nothing else matters. Jesus said that. When confronted, what's the greatest commandment? Love God and love others. And you can sense that this church had forgotten that. They had stayed strong. They had taken pride in being a theologically centered, Christ-centered church. But yet, were they loving others? Were they being arrogant? Were they becoming proud? Were they allowing that to take away the love of Jesus to them? Were they becoming so legalistic that they weren't building a community, they were building a dictatorship? It's something to think through and it's a caution that we have. It's a warning that He gives us to remember our first love. One scholar wrote it this way. It says, The Ephesian church had lost the spiritual glow. As their enthusiasm has waned, their work itself had felt like the lag of their devotion. They had drawn many, many lines in theology and how you, how you worship how you focus, created standards on how to continue living this Christ-centered life, done all of those things, but were they forgetting about their love? It seems to think that way. You know, they were leaning on their own strength. I asked you a few minutes ago that first job you loved, right? If you haven't found that, I hope you will. I think you will. But we all have that first job we absolutely loved doing. But eventually, all the things we love get tested. And the love starts fading when we start changing our attitude of doing it out of love and doing it out of survival, right? God's design was for us to live. He created us a paradise to live in full glory and full peace and full passion because He was there. And all we needed to do was focus on His love. And He told us all we needed to do was just love Him. We could eat from the tree of life. Just don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil because the knowledge of the good and evil is going to lead you to a mentality of surviving and not love. And that's where we made the mistake. Because loving wasn't enough. And as we wanted that knowledge... As we turned against God's will, as we became selfish creatures, we decided that it was by our own accord that we could get to the places we needed to get and we forgot about life through love. And we went through this whole strategy and we did everything else. God put rules to people. He put commandments to people. He put all of these things and tried to find every loophole that you could think of to get you focused on the Word of God and on the love of God that we still failed. So He sent His Son Jesus, His only Son, to come down and die a brutal death on the cross so that you can have life. To show you what love means. And it's through that love we get the good news of victory. It's through that love we get the peace of God. And sometimes we need to take a step back. Repent. And go back to our first love. Go back to the moment why we're doing the things we're doing. 
Now you're probably, how do I know if I'm losing love? Well, God gave us another list in in 1 Corinthians, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. It does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act unbecoming. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. does not take into account a wrong suffered. does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth. Bear all things, believing, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Married people for a moment. You married the person because you loved them. Most likely. How many people do we know that fall out of love? You've got friends. You've got friends where their marriage was there. You thought it was solid. You thought it was going straight. And eventually something came up. And one of them said they fell out of love. Or what about the the married couple that they are married, but they don't ever talk to anybody. Any, they don't talk to each other anymore. Sometimes you have to rekindle that love. I know my grandparents, they were married for 75 years. 75 years, which is a long time. My parents are celebrating their 51st wedding anniversary this month. And I've asked them, and I remember hearing stories, and I remember asking them, how do you do it? How do you survive that? 75 years is a long time to be with someone. 50 years is a long time to be with someone. How do you not go and kill them? I mean, metaphorically, allegorically, I'm not, okay, we're not saying that literally. I'm not saying that literally if you're listening, and we're not, we're not saying it literally. But, Right? And they said, you have to continue to fall in love. You have to work to keep that love alive. You have to pursue that love of life. Same thing with your job. Going back to that for a moment. That job you loved, when it became work, and you walked in starting to survive, that's when you started falling out of love with that job, right? That's when you started falling into the point where you're like, I can do something else. I can go somewhere else. I make it even make more money somewhere else because we're broken people and when things don't go our way, we start looking in other avenues and we think the grass is greener on the other side and we start thinking, oh, well, I'll fall back in love here. I can't necessarily fall back in love right now because it's just too hard. There's too many people. They're too frustrated. If they would just do the things I would do the way I want to do it, it would make things a lot better. So I'm going to go somewhere else where I can take my projects and take my theology. Not, I'm not going to change. I'm just going to change the venue to maybe I'll fall back in love with it. And what happens? You go to another job. You stay there for a little while. And then you're back in the same pattern. And at some point, you have to look within yourself and go, is it me or is it the job? We do all of that. A hobby. You can name it with anything you fall in love with here. But the love he's talking about, the love that is expressed in Revelation, is that agape love. It's that unconditional love. It's that love that no matter what happens, you're going to continue doing it because it is part of who you are. It is who 
you've become. It is because you are with Christ is through that love. And then he asks us to hear. He who has an ear, let him hear. It is a warning. It is a plea. This is Jesus saying, please listen. Because if you can listen and do these things, you will take the fruit of tree of life again. And he he makes that reference to the tree of life because see, the other thing about Ephesus that a lot of people didn't get, it was a sanctuary city. And you know what was on the side of their emblem? A palm tree. For meaning, shelter. So when convicts would escape, if they ran to Ephesus, they could no longer be convicted. They could fall into that sanctuary of protection. So when you looked at the emblem of Ephesus, it was a tree. And what Jesus is trying to get these people, instead of them looking at a tree of life, if they can look at a tree in a a pagan situation, why can't we look at the tree of life that gives us the glory of Jesus and the love that we need? Because if you have this, if you're listening to these instructions, then that's where you're going to go. Now to make it personal. Because this was the passage that I taught right in the end of January to the youth. It was a passage that God had laid upon my heart as I was preparing to take February off. So if you're new, I just got back from a sabbatical, which a sabbatical is a fancy word for getting to take off a month. But this started last year. Pastor Chris and I were having conversations about what to do. What to do next. We were listening to a podcast that was very good for us. We were studying it. It was about a church and a pastor who let their pride get ahead of them. Had they had all these resources, but the, but the pastor failed. At that time, there were other pastors in the news There was a big controversy happening even within the Southern Baptist Convention. There's always a controversy. There's always a time for you to stand up right and wrong. There's always a time to talk about your theology. There's always a time to prove that you are not a heretic. Because people are going to question you. When you're in leadership, people ask you questions and expect you to have the answer and you have to keep doing it. And so we were in this study where we would listen to the podcast and we would discuss what was going on in it. We had read a book together as a staff. We had done all of this spiritual development so we could stay strong because it's very important as leaders and as church leaders to stay strong. Because the one thing we don't want to do is just survive. But what I started finding myself saying last year, when people would ask me how I was doing, and maybe you said it the same thing, I'm surviving. I'm surviving. To me, that became a clear sign that I needed, I needed, to, I needed to keep talking. I needed to do some self-reflection. I needed to go into a time of prayer. I needed to talk to some of my leaders. And so Chris and I began talking more and more. Because honestly, I'll admit it, I was tired. 
I was more and more tired. I was getting, I was fatigued. The church, y'all have been wonderful. I've been here for 14 years. In fact, 14 years ago was the first time I talked to Bill Bennett on the phone with the search committee. It's exactly 14 years since I started praying about coming to Wilkesboro Baptist Church. And along that way, we've done some amazing things, right? If you haven't, if you've been with us for a first year, it's been an amazing year. It's been an amazing two years, but it's been an amazing 14 years. I mean, you're sitting in a beautiful sanctuary that we redone, renovated to make it where we could worship, where we didn't miss a beat in 2020. You're able, some of y'all talk about the great studies that we've gone as a Sunday school class of reading through the Bibles with moving through the map or reading through the Gospels with reliving the Gospels. Y'all have talked about those things. We got to go through a series called Commission. I've seen lots go on here. And the church has been grateful. Very appreciative. Patting me on the back. Telling how much you love me. Telling how much you appreciate me. And it keeps me going. I have a folder, and it's called in my encouragement folder. And many of the faces I see in this room and that you are watching, your name is in that folder, or a letter or a card is in that folder that I keep in my desk. It's been an amazing 14 years. It's been an amazing two years. But as I started reflecting, and Chris asked me a question, because we started, we had, we had a friend of ours just finish his sabbatical. And he said, what do you, is it time for a sabbatical? Is it time for you to rest? In the book of Leviticus, God instructs His people after seven years of labor in their fields to give a year rest where they don't plant for a year where they just let everything rest. They let their workers rest. They let the land rest. They let themselves rest for a year. Their goal is to stock up that previous year so they can take that year off. That's what the whole term sabbatical means. Just rest. And as he asked me, it, it, at first, if you know me, if you've worked with me, my first reaction was, no, I don't need that. I'm good, right? Because if you, if you admit that you need rest and you need to take a month off, that means you're weak, at least in my mind. And I'm sure the church of Ephesus was thinking the same way. I don't need to stop pursuing doing this and pointing out the false teachers. I've got to stay strong because I can't let the weakness in. And Chris asked me again, is it time for sabbatical? And I said, let's pray about it. And we prayed and we talked And as I started listening to myself, the thoughts of just surviving, moving forward, no matter what happens. And then I, we started talking to other leaders and they were like, yeah, you've earned it. And it was funny to hear that term earn, right? You earned it. Did I? Did I earn it? I don't know. Still debating that question, but as I was thinking through, and somebody next thing was like, what what are you going to do during this month? I'm going to rest, okay? I'm going to refocus. I'm going to refresh. I'm going to get back to my loves. Because it's not that I never stopped loving 
the church. It's never that I stopped loving ministry. It's never that I stopped love teaching. It's never that I stopped loving Jesus. That never went away. But I needed to step back and repurpose. Figure out, what do I love? Because that's when you start falling out of love is when you question, right? From the very beginning, how did Satan attack Eve? He caused doubts. He caused frustration. He caused questions. And Eve didn't have the answer. Eve needed an impulse, right? That's another way that the Satan gets you, and that's how you fall out of love, is that you don't think anymore, you react. But love is patient. It's not quick. You have to take your time. You have to think through the concept. And so, for the month, I didn't have a project to work on. I didn't write a book. I didn't work on my dissertation. I didn't even start thinking about taking another class and getting my doctorate. I didn't have some great project I wanted to build at my house. I simply rested. I stayed home. I was a dad. I was a husband. I relearned what it's like just to be those things. Not that I ever lost the love for being a father. I lost the love of being a husband. But sometimes you've got to take a step back and realize that it is what you love. And when the doubts and the questions start coming, you start pushing yourself into those directions. So I started refocusing and and being intentional. And you know what? I started having the energy to do all those things with my family. And that survival instinct was starting to fade away. The next thing I I learned that I had neglected was reading. I used to love to read. Now, I started late. Some of y'all have been reading since three or three. You love reading. And you read. I remember Mike Norman, his, the thing he was looking forward to the most when he retired was he had boxes and boxes of books in his basement that he couldn't wait to get to. And I think the last time I talked to him, he's gone through 10 boxes of books. But he was always reading. He was always with a book. And I, I used to be that way. I used to read book after book, theology book, fun books, history books. Loved reading. It was something that I could do, but I had found myself the last several vacations not even making it through a book to read. Not even reading that long because I would get distracted because I was so tired. But here was an opportunity for me to step back and read. So for the month of February, I read probably about 1,200 pages. Multiple books. I went to the coffee shop one day and stayed there for three hours reading. It was amazing. I recommend it to you if you like to read. It was amazing to read. And these were fun books. And and I asked my wife and I said, what has been the one thing that surprised you? What's made you proud? And she said, I was proud that you read a book that was not assigned to you. That you went and picked out a book, suggested, but not assigned, right? Because that's the difference between love and surviving. When you love something, you grab it without thinking it and you do it. 
So I I refound my love for reading. I learned new skills. I forgot how much I learn. I love new skills. I love learning new things. I picked up things and I would watch YouTube videos. I tried to pick up the new skill of golf and I'm still struggling there. But it was fun just to be able to go and learn for fun. I learned how much I love teaching. I missed it. I missed teaching. For a month, I didn't teach anybody. And I missed it. That's why I warned Chris. I said, you sure you want me to preach? Because I could go a long time. Because it's been a month since I've taught. Because last... Sunday night when I was with the youth, I was just going to do a brief overview or something and 20 minutes later, but I miss teaching. But above everything else, I missed my community. I missed the love of the community, which is what John is telling Ephesus. Don't miss out on the community. That's your first love. God created community with Him at the center. And when you start forgetting that, you're losing your love. Because without community, you're going to start just surviving. It's through the community of believers that we can come here and you can confess that you are part of it. That's why we make it so important to baptize, right? That is your public profession that you are becoming part of this community. And if you're listening to us, I'm glad you're listening to us on Facebook, but I want you back in this room with your community. I missed talking to people. I missed seeing the investment that I have put in, that you have put into me. So many of you have contacted me and said how much you missed me and you missed the conversations of no matter what it is. And to me, that's love. That's the love of Christ. That's the love that we've got to hold on to and get back to. Because that is truly the first love. So maybe you're here in the room and you're struggling. You've got that sense of survival in your brain and you don't know what this takes. You don't know what it means. Maybe you're debating another job. Maybe you're debating another part of a chapter in your life. Maybe you're on the verge of retirement and you're really debating this because you're like, what am I going to do? Take a step back. Find out what the love of Christ means to you and how you can develop that. Because it doesn't matter what else you do. You see, the church of Ephesus were warned that if they didn't get back to their first love and repent of that, the light would be taken from them. Maybe you're watching and maybe you don't have a community and maybe you you can't find that peace. Maybe it's because you don't have a love of Jesus in your heart. Maybe you walked the aisle a long time ago, but you haven't been part of a community for a long time. Now it's time to find, find that love for your community. Find a place to serve. We would love to have you here. We would love for you to be here. Or maybe you're just struggling. Maybe someone is just struggling at all because you don't have the love of Jesus in you and shining through you because you haven't committed your life to His love. So I invite you to that. 
I invite you to admit that you are sinning, that you are selfish, that you only think about yourself. I want you to admit that. And I want you to believe that that can be wiped away and that the hope can come through Jesus because He died on the cross for your sins, for everyone's sins, for all the brokenness in here. But He rose again three days later so that we can have hope. And you've got to commit to following Him. And if you did that online or if you needed that, you can say a simple prayer that comes your own like, God, I know I've sinned. I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm not struggling. I know I don't have your love and I need it more than anything. And I confess to you all of those things that I've done. And I ask that you take them away. Wipe me clean and let me be yours and enter into your community. That I commit to learning and growing in you and pursuing what it means to be at peace with you. Maybe you can say a simple prayer like that. Or maybe you just need to pray and ask God to show you His will. But don't forget about your first love. Don't wait until it's too late before you get back to what you love. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.